0: This is at Town Roots Podcast, episode number 38. Welcome to the Town Roots Podcast, the podcast of, about, and for Oakland. No, no, no matter if you live in the town, do business here, or are visiting, we have something for you. And now, your hosts, Anthony Wilson
1: and Vincent Hayes.
0: Charles Farier from Crumble and Whisk. Charles, welcome.
1: Thank you. Nice to meet you. Me. Thank you for inviting me onto this podcast.
0: Absolutely. And Vincent, how are you I'm doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. How's it going? No, and I'm excited Charles is here, because if you've not been to his website, his pastries are fantastic. And so we just want to find out a little bit more about Crumble and Whisk. So, Charles, why don't you just kick it off? Tell us a little bit about the inspiration behind Crumble and Whisk and more about the business.
1: Okay. Oh. Crumble and Whisk started in 2013, and it started by inspiration. I was actually... Working at the time at an office, behind, and one of my colleagues was like, "Hey, you should bring in a cheesecake for work." And I, I was like, "I don't know. I'll see what I can come up with." As you said, bring the dessert. So I brought in a cheesecake, and at the time, I didn't realize how a phenomenon it would be to this day. And we had a little cheesecake. It was kind of like a ba- it was like a bake off. It was like a little, it was like a bake sale or whatever. So I bought it in, they sold it, and they sold it by the slice. So I made money from the slices. And then my other colleagues were like, hey, I want to challenge you to a cheesecake thing. I'll bring in something. You bring in a cheesecake, and I'll bring in a cheesecake, and we'll compare. And I was like, I don't know if you really want to do that. I said, because I'm very good with flavorful profiles. So I was like, I'm going to go home and whip up something. So I came up with actually... A flavor that I made at the time, which was my Madagascar vanilla bourbon, which was very, it was a very, it's a very actually really good cake. But at the time I made it, the prices were very different. And one of my colleagues was like, you should make this, you should make smaller versions. And we went back and forth about what should I do? And he was like, look, I'm going to help you with, we're going to come up with the concept and I'm going to help you with the numbers and you come up with the ideas. I was like, all right, that's a good point. So we would meet every day like after work and go over stuff about how we're going to do stuff and how we're going to implement it. And so we finally came up with a menu and I actually, at that time I was actually invited to an organization, which I'm still part of it right now. It's called La Casina. And so part of that organization helped me really finalize it, home the brand and really take it to what it is today. And they kind of helped me come up with the name, really try to get everything organized and not having a 31-flavor Baskin-Robbin menu. And I didn't want to do that anyway. I wanted to kind of make core flavors that would speak to the audience, but I also wanted flavors that were very unique. And so every month uh, we come out with a seasonal flavor. We try to do something out of the box, but we also wanted the core flavor that was also unique within the brand. So that's when I came up with Beaten Berry. And it's one of our top sellers today. And it starts off basically with roasted organic beets, and blueberries, and it's cooked in red wine. And then we top it with a blueberry, a blueberry red wine compote. And that one has been very popular compared to all the other flavors. Not that any other flavors don't sell. They do sell. But the menu today consists of a classic New York, a strawberry, a lemon, a beaten chocolate marble. And then we also do a vegan. So
0: all this started with someone, one of your coworkers challenged you exactly. to make a cheesecake. <laughs> he did. And he actually lost, he lost, but yeah. that That is amazing.
1: Yeah. And so had you made a cheesecake before that? or I hadn't made one before prior. No, I hadn't made one before, but I had baking experience. So that was a thing that I had already known how to do. Okay. So what made him challenge you to make a cheesecake? Where did that come from? I think because he saw that the potluck Based off the potluck sales, I had made all this money based off the first slice. Uh, and so he was like, if he can do it, I can do it. So that's when he was like, I want to challenge you to a Cheesecake Day Golf. Okay. Okay. And so that was very interesting. So
0: the challenge turned into a business for you. For what me. What happened with him? Did he start a business too?
1: I don't know. Actually, don't, I don't know. <laughs> actually, I don't know if he's actually still with the company. Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool. So, yeah. where do you sell? Is it? Do you have a food truck? So you do, sell online? Currently, we have. We do. We have. We we actually opened our first brick and mortar. Currently, right now, we're selling at our farmers markets. So we do San Francisco Ferry Building, and we sell in Marin. We were doing two other markets, but being staffing issue, we had to stop those markets. The other factors where we sell. We have four actual virtual locations. We have one in Oakland one in San Francisco, one in San Mateo, and one in San Jose. So we sell at those virtual locations, which those are really good for the brand because it allows us to do basically marketing. Sales are one thing, but it allows people to know who we are and allows us to reach a broader audience. And that's what I like.
0: And to describe the virtual location to me a little bit more.
1: So the virtual locations are basically, so they're basically food halls. So people can basically order off of DoorDash or Grubhub or Uber Eats. And they basically can walk into the location and pick it up or they can have it off for delivery.
0: Oh, I see. So they order online, but then you have one pickup location. Got it. Understood.
1: Understood. So are a lot of bakers, you know, that? A lot of people are being bring that option for an alternative for alternative income because a lot of people are realizing selling to the public is great, but your sales are not as strong as if you kind of have other avenues. So it kind of helps balance it out in the end. And it also kind of adds a little bit of diversity to the profile. And not only do we sell at those, we also sell to... We also work with caterers as well. And then we also sell to two grocery stores. But which stores are those? We sell on Good Eggs, okay. which is basically an online platform. We order it online and they deliver it. And then the other one is... Oh, nice. So we sell a Berkeley ball. We sell two at both of their stores. So that's been very that's been very <laughs> successful working with them. And then we're trying to get our storefront open up, which will help with the revenue stream and get anything, hopefully everything back on track. So where is your new location going to be? So our location is actually on MacArthur and High Street. So right across the street from Plattacid. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know the area.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you can't miss it because we have a mural.
2: We're hoping to, and we're going to be serving breakfast, lunch. That's very cool. Now, I actually heard you mention an organization that I have a little bit, just enough to be dangerous of uh, knowledge of and La Cocina. Can you talk about what your experience was like with them and how it helped you develop your business? Okay. So La Cocina is a, is an organization that helps
1: people of color and, People that, that don't know how to run a business or don't have any knowledge. And so they helped me gave me the groundwork of basically figuring out what kind of license you need, how to do a patent and trademark, what kind of name, what kind of name that really fits for the brand that you're doing for. Because a lot of times people will think of a name, but it doesn't always fit with the brand. Um, they also help the color profile, making sure that the colors work with the brands and what they speak and making me do a lot of work and understanding like the colors you're going to choose and understanding like what they mean to me personally and what happening, how, how do they relate to the brand and how do they speak to the audience? And so they've also, they've done that. And they've also helped me. They've also given me catering opportunities in the past. So part of a member with them, they have their street food festivals. They also have different events that they go, they put on and they always allow their graduates or their current participants to become part of it first, before they reach out to other caterers, but most of the time they really like to use their in-house caterers that they work with in the program to really
2: kind of get the projects done. Very nice. And did from there, did you already have your business going before you went? I did not have on? my business. Go- I did not have my business
1: going prior to before joining them. I was still <laughs> in the startup stage, trying to figure out really what to do. I knew how to make the product. I just know everything else behind the product and how to really like make it a smooth transition and actually running an actual business. That makes sense. That makes sense. So yeah. what made you start the business in Oakland? I lived here. And actually before then, before I started, before I joined them, actually, I would actually make the product at home and I would go walk up and down on MacArthur, the street I'm on now, and go to all the barbershops, the beauty shops and sell them cheesecakes. And that's how I got the startup money to help pay for licensing and all that while I was still working. So, so I would do that on the weekend. I would say, Charles, I've been going to barbershops
0: my whole life. And I've seen a lot of stuff sold in barbershops before. I don't think I've ever <laughs> seen a cheesecake sold in a barbershop. What was your reception really?
1: like? Yeah. What was the reception like when you walked to the barbershop with cheesecakes? People were like, they were like, oh, we don't want it. And then when they actually saw the product, they were like, oh, okay. And so people's minds changed once they saw it. But then they gave me a hard time in the beginning because they were like oh you not you need to have this you need to have that how much are you selling it for and i would tell them and they're like oh we need to have it. they would just give me a hard time versus someone that was selling a plate but as i would came time on and time on again they got used to it and they started buying every weekend and actually sometimes people today will ask me why i stopped selling at the rubber shops because i'm like I don't need to. Yeah, Or people still remember me selling at the barbershop. So it's kind, of, it's, it's kind of like that moment where you go, like, wow, people actually still remember the brand. Mm-hmm. At that time, it wasn't called Crumble on the list; it was actually called something else.
0: Okay, so you're doing online, you're doing virtual, virtual sites, and mm-hmm. now you're going into brick and mortar.
1: And mm-hmm. so, what made you decide to go brick and mortar? Actually, this decision was not. It was not actually, it was not my decision. It was a forceful decision, to be honest with you, because the commercial kitchen that we were at, it got sold. Mm. And so we were already in the transition of having to do, fill our current accounts. So I had to make sure I had to move it to a position. I had to move it to a space very quickly. And so I was shopping around and someone told me about this place. And so I just, I met with the guy, we talked, and the deadline for the position where they're being sold was really tight. So I was like, I just made a decision having to just move in here. And I was like, okay, we can work out of here. And then it just fell into place. I knew I wanted a storefront, but I didn't want it lash. I didn't want it so soon. I wanted to plan it, but as in life, everything you can't plant. Some shit sure. just happens. For sure. Did La Casina help you with No, I actually did this on my own. They they are helping me with the marketing aspect of it, so that way when it opens up, they are helping me with make sure the press releases are going out, making sure that we have enough crowd here, so that when the doors open, that the sales are sufficient. And they did help me with making sure the financial projections were, so that we can make sure that we know what we're gonna project for the months going forward. And That's we still awesome. together. We still work together today. I think for them. It's a really good, powerful organization to be able to have someone that you can lean on and to be able to help with the things that you don't know as a business owner. Because a lot of things that I don't know
2: are things that I need to ask questions about, especially when it comes to employees. The employment and financials are two big things that I think you can never get enough guidance on.
0: Tell me about that vegan option. Every time I turn around, I find out someone else I know has gone vegan. <laughs> that um, what inspired with the customers asking for that are you vegan
1: and you decided to make something I'm not, for yourself i'm not vegan but i knew that i had to have a dairy-free option on the menu and the vegan actually came along later on i knew i had to have a dairy-free option on the menu so i was testing multiple recipes and trying to make sure that things were right and we came across well i came across one recipe and just figuring out because a lot of the recipes that i see online they were add a lot of stuff to it. And like, I wanted to keep it clean. And that's one thing I didn't want to do. I didn't want to add a whole lot of filler. So I wanted something that I think the vegans would like, but also it was very tasty. And then with the cheesecakes, we also developed vegan brownies along with vegan cookies. And we're trying to develop vegan cinnamon rolls, vegan and gluten-free cinnamon rolls, but we haven't quite got it. We haven't quite nailed it yet.
0: Man, I'm not vegan, but you're making me hungry already.
1: And we actually do a two step <laughs> process. So we do a vegan, the vegan and the gluten free together. Okay. So a lot of we put it together because it's just more easier. We used to separate it, but now we don't separate it. So it's a lot easier so that we keep it together. And then we also do keto too.
2: Oh, nice.
1: Yeah, but you have to order that on our website. So we do
2: keto and we do a sugar free, but that's all on the website. Yeah, that's awesome. I am looking at a lot of the different options that you have out here right now. And I think I'm going to be placing a couple of orders for the holidays. I got a question for you. You've been working on this for a while, right? I have, and I'm still working on it. I'm always trying to perfect. So when COVID hit, did that make you think it's now the right time? Did it make your job more difficult? Like how did that impact you?
1: That actually made me hustle a lot harder. That made me hustle a lot harder. I didn't want to shut down the business. So I was like, nope, I'm not going to. I'm going to trail right on through pandemic, just like anything else, like nothing ever happened. <laughs> and I'm not going to shut down my business. And I'm going to and I actually add on more stuff. So the stuff that you see on the menu now, that stuff was actually added on because of COVID. So the Popeyes, the brownies, that stuff was not on there before. That happened because of COVID. <laughs> We actually had a lot more items on the menu when COVID happened because we were actually doing to-go meals. So we were making meals like tamale pie, Greek salad. We were doing roasted herb chicken, meatloaf with mashed potatoes and seasonal vegetables. We were doing govan. We were doing a lot of dishes that we did not, I did not think I was going to make. I knew I was going to, I wanted to implement those things because I didn't want to go out of business. So I was like, let me implement a meal. Everybody was doing meals at the time. I was like, let me do the same thing. I'll just sell them at the farmer's market. So I had to go meals at the farmers markets to make it easier for people to take home because people weren't eating out. So you had dessert and you just put the meal with the dessert to sell your dessert. Nice. Exactly. I like that. I like that. And was- so actually, and people today actually still ask about the meals. And I maybe one day I'll bring them back, but As of right now, not right now. It's just too much work.
0: Did you have any formal training as a baker or chef
1: before you started this business? (sighs) I did, actually. I went to culinary school. I went to culinary school, and then I worked in multiple restaurants, actually. Yeah, I worked in multiple restaurants. And prior to that, I always wanted to cook. I always wanted to cook because I was inspired from my father, who was actually cooking himself. He used to cook at the household. So he taught me, and I would watch and see how things were doing, how things would be done. And so he was kind of like my inspiration of wanting to do it. And I feel like cooking is one of those things that you can learn to and you can you know, inspire to want to do it. And it's a craft that you can always perfect. It's something that no one can ever take away from you.
0: So your coworker, the challenge you, did he know you went to culinary school? He did, actually. Oh, he knew, and he challenged you anyway. Yeah, he knew. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's funny. I thought maybe that was on the under, and he didn't know. No,
1: he knew. Okay. He just that's why they asked me to bring in a bakery. Ah, now that makes sense. That's why they asked me to bring in a baker ah, yeah, because they were like, yeah, we know you are not know a baker." And then everybody in the office kept asking me at that point after that.
0: So, Charles, it sounds like you've gotten a lot of help from La Casina, and that sounds like great organizations. We'll put a link to them mm-hmm. in the show notes to the episode. And so you had baking experience, but you didn't really have business experience. So Correct. what's the... What surprised you the most or what continues to surprise you the most about being a business?
1: What continues to surprise me is the the employees. I guess you could say the employees and the opera, day-to-day operation of things that happen that you don't expect, like equipment and, and things that you have to replace or uncertain bills that come up, things that you have to get fixed. And those are day-to-day operations that you don't, that will not saying I don't expect it. I'm used to it right now, but it never gets easier. It never gets easier, and I feel like everybody that says, "Oh, I want to open up a small business." Everybody thinks that they want to do that because they look at everybody. They look, only look at the surface point. They only look at the surface. They don't realize you have to be able to know financially if you can afford that. And sometimes people don't realize financially it's not doable for them, and sometimes it doesn't work out. Me, it's I'm always thinking and trying to figure out, okay, what works, what doesn't work. So currently right now, we're trying to figure out, I've had to rewrite my menu for the restaurant three times just to make sure I scale it down, scale it enough, so that way we can do it in our kitchen. And also making sure that the product that we get that will work so that we can make everything and figuring out, and then also realizing that I have to charge taxes now on those items because they're hot. Those are always things that I'm always... Not leery about, but I know in the back of my mind I have to pay for that.
0: Got it. So you mentioned earlier that you started the business in Oakland because you, you live in Oakland. But let me ask yeah. you, let me ask you in a slightly different way. Why is it important to you to be a Black owned business in Oakland?
1: For me to be a Black owned business, first of all, I'm also giving back to my community. And I'm also starting where I started from for me as a Black owned business. Also, for me, it also, I feel like I would give inspiration to all the young. For me, the young black boys to show them that they can do they can do what they want to do and not have to be led down the wrong path. Like everyone wants to stereotype a black man to be. And so one of the things that I would like to do as a separate organ, as a separate thing, I would actually start. I would like to start a nonprofit to teach young black boys on how to cook and how to really kind of show them that they can do certain things, even if you don't want to. It's just an idea. You can go on and be a carpenter, a carpenter or a painter or whatever, but to having someone as a role model and as a guidance to help you along the right path in your life so that you don't grow up thinking that you don't have anybody to turn to. And so that was also one of my inspiration and wanting to do it as well. But then the other factor of growing up from my childhood, growing up for not having a strong family household, I also wanted to show something that I can do myself. It was also, for me, it was also a proving point for me that I can also do it. Nice, nice. nice. I love
0: the story. So, Charles, this has been fantastic. Why don't you Thank tell you. the listeners how they can find you?
1: So, you can actually find me. You can actually find me. if you, you, you can go to our farmer's market on Saturdays at the Ferry Building or Sundays in Moran. Or you can hit us up on our social media. We have Instagram. We have Facebook. We also have TikTok. And we also have... You can also pop in at our store too. And if you want to talk to me as well. So those are ways that you can actually come and find me. If you're looking to support the small business, our business, you can actually go to our website. And we actually have a support page for donations for our Give Butter campaign. So that way... We can also keep this project, we can keep our doors open and keep our project going.
0: So people can pop into the store and ask for mm-hmm. you and you'll come out the kitchen and say, hey, yeah. Charles, I heard you on the Town Roots podcast.
1: <laughs> yeah, we get that all the time. We get that all the time. <laughs> people always sit us up as, hey, I saw you on the paper or I saw you this. So they want to come and support, which is great. Good. That's awesome. So I'm always down for that. I definitely try to do a lot. <laughs> so Charles, what's the address of your brick and mortar? So our address is 4104 MacArthur Boulevard. You won't miss us. There's a big mural on the door. And we have our, but you'll see my face. You'll see the name of the door as well. So therefore, you can't miss us. And we're next to a coffee shop.
0: Thank thank, thank you for listening to the Town Roots Podcast. For more information about the show, to leave comments and connect with the hosts, head over to www.townroots.com.